was the greatest? Who was the best of all time? If two athletes from different eras could actually compete against one another, who would come out on top? In one corner, the reigning champion at Mason the Line Dixon. He'll be pitted against the former two-time heavyweight champion, Rocky Balboa. Computer says Rocky Balboa would be triumphant. I think there's still some stuff in the basement. What basement? In here. I think I want to, like, fight. You know, nothing big, just small things like local. What? You haven't peaked yet? You know, we have the promotional contract for Mason Dixon. When he heard you were didn't fight again, he thought, why not put something together? First-class exhibition. But I ain't interested in getting, like, mangled and embarrassed. You know, you know let's face it, that computer fight got a lot of people curious. And it doesn't matter how this looks to other people. Fighters fight. To beat this guy, you need speed. You don't have it. And you've got calcium deposits on most of your joints. So sparring is out. I had that problem. So what we'll be calling on is blunt force trauma. Let's start building some hurting bombs. The greatest underdog story of our time is back for one final round. Balboa. It's over. You can tell it's over until it's over. Where's that from? The 80s? It's probably in the 70s. doing we got through the original five rockies which spanned for 14 years and then uh, 16 years later so even a longer time period than the first five movies took place we get rocky balboa now in a previous in a previous episode you mentioned that this would have been the first one that you watched on the big screen and I think some of some of the, the the fans like you who didn't really necessarily grow up with the first five films in the in the way that people maybe 15 years older than you would have, they don't often like this film. And I think some of it is because Rocky is no longer the superhero. He's a little down on his luck. And the film is actually fairly depressing at times. And I wonder if some of that is the reason why a lot of the younger Rocky fans don't really connect with this film. I don't mind telling you that this is like one of my very favorite films in the whole series. And a big part of that is just exactly what you said. It was the first one I got to see in the cinema. Um, You know, I grew up watching all these films thinking that you know this story was a closed book that there wasn't going to be any more rocky and i didn't think you know i'd ever have the chance to go to cinema and see one of these one of these films happen you know when upon its release and 
you know, when it came out, I remember going to the theatre that first night and the place was absolutely packed and you could just feel kind of a nervous energy in the crowd. You know, everyone was there, had been, it was felt like had been waiting to see this film for a long time. And of course, at that point, as you said, it'd been 16 years. If it's 16 years and the last installment of the series hadn't been well received. So you're kind of wondering, you know, is this a mistake? I hope it's not. Um, you know, the movie started... Um, and you could feel that how intently everybody was watching for that like first hour because there's, there's no action in that that first hour of this movie at all. It's all just setting the scene, you know, tell, telling to, to catching up with Rocky, telling his telling where, what the story of where he's been. I think they paced that just expertly because when you know he does he does decide to to, to, to return to the ring and you know Duke gives him that big speech and tells them you know how they're how they're gonna approach this training for this fight and then the music starts and you you get you get like the classic rocky training montage the place that night just came completely unglued like people were cheering they were they were clapping (laughs) which like you just don't hear in the cinema and i just got the sense watching that it's just like this was exactly what everybody who'd been waiting for this this film to be uh, it was ex- it was exactly what they wanted um you know then again at the end of the film it, 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 the place gave a standing ovation it's something you don't really see for you know a standard movie screening so i just feel like you know this was the re- return to form rocky needed you've talked about last time about how disappointed you were watching Ro- rocky 5 to me the feeling coming out of this one was so so much different in that you know you left thinking like they did it again, you know, it, it, it's an, it's another classic. So <clears throat> I'm glad that you really like this film because a lot of people who are a little bit younger than me, it's not on their list of favorites. And I think it's because there is now as someone who is, uh, uh, you know, this movie is 14 years old from the time we, we record this. And when I was watching it, I had not yet turned... No, I just turned 30. And so, you know, I'm someone who had been a dad already for, you know, a good six years at that point. And so I'm a little bit older. And so I sort of understand a little bit more, I think, why the stuff about the the fire in the belly still because you know if you're if you're 20 years old and and you're watching this film you don't understand about you know you get older and you still want to do so many things but because of age because of athleticism or or whatever it is it is often hard to to keep up with with all of the things that that you want to do and so i really related to that part of the movie but i get it if you're 20 and you're like, what the hell? I want to see superhero Rocky defeat like an even bigger and badder bad guy. And then everything is all great at the end. This movie, like you said, is a little bit slower paced. It is all about um, kind of giving you all, all the reasons why Rocky needs to actually go back into the ring. But also, he's rewriting Rocky Five, which told us, all of the reasons why he didn't need to go back into the ring. So it's clearly a correction to the Rocky Five movie. 
And at the same time, without Rocky Balboa, I don't think you can make Creed because it takes all of the things about Rocky Balboa um, from the Rocky standpoint. And then when Creed gets made, you're not jarred in any way from seeing this version of Rocky because he is just a little bit older version of the one from Rocky Balboa who we saw, you know, 10 years prior or eight years prior or whatever that was. So very, it's a little bit of a transitional movie to me, but I think all the things that you said, uh, Make it a good film, though I do, you know, as we'll talk, there are some flaws in it from my perspective, maybe things that Rocky got a little bit too sentimental about. Um, But then again, you know, he is redoing something. He's A, fixing Rocky V, and B, it'd been 16 years, so he kind of felt the need to uh you know to 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 play some of the old clips so that people remembered uh you know the character's sort of inspiration for doing things so all of that is is a part of this and i think it's you know it's a little complex like there there are parts of this movie where i understand why stallone did what he did even if i didn't necessarily agree but if you look at the deleted scenes, there's a lot more that he wanted to do with this film. But I think because of what you're saying with the pace and the setting and the tone, he just decided the half an hour longer version of this film, it's too long to get to the end part, which is you know which is where we're going. And you also have to remember, uh, this w- wasn't you know an easy journey for Stallone. We kind of. I've, I've spoken at length on this in this series about like how these Rocky films are reflective of Stallone's own career. And, you know, last time we were speaking about how after Rocky V, Stallone tried a number of different roles on to try to see what would fit. And, you know, he had some successes in that period, but he had a lot of failures. And there really wasn't a lot of interest in the, in the making another Rocky film at this point, um, which kind of seems surprising now. Um you know, I think Stallone first started dra- drafting this uh, in 1999, so 2006. It was seven years before they got they actually they got it gr- gr- greenlit. Um, you know, and uh, like even e- even like the producers who uh, uh, who had who had who had backed them every step of the way up to this point had said like you know they thought the journey was they tr- thought the journey was over. Um, he had to settle for a kind of a small budget it was kind of a little bit like coming back full circle like the first one again going in there with you know lower modest budget and lower expectations and then having to exceed like exceed that and make something that would last um and in doing that, you know, as you said, they set up the possibility for for the Creed movie. So that all started with this. And, you know, to me, it kind of seems a bit strange that, uh, like, people wouldn't have seen their uh, Rocky as uh, another Rocky film as viable for for two reasons. Well, like, in one sense, like, there's a sentimental reason of just, like, this film had been so. These series of films have been so successful for so long. I feel like you would have just given Sly that 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 last, last bite of the apple. You would have just said like, if you want to finish the story, finish it how you want to do it. But like, also just as a business person, 
it made sense to me that like you know there was still equity in this brand because all the people who had grown up watching Rocky you know and the people who had gone to, to the cinema to see the original Rocky with their parents they were all parents now and they would want to share this film with their kids I I get it from the studio perspective though because if you think about where we are Stallone outside of the Rocky and the Rambo series is wasn't the type of box office star that was consistent and was easy, you know, just let's just put Sly's name on it and we're going to, we're going to make money. Like, and, and he tried so hard to not be typecast in that way. And just, you know, from, from the standpoint of these other films, now I will go to bat and say that I really liked Cliffhanger and I, I liked him out of that Rocky role. But now you're, you're talking about 2006 and he's got to be uh, in his 50s by now. So if you're a movie, a movie studio, you're like, okay, so basically you're telling us that this character is going to come back into the ring and fight again. And I, I just don't buy the idea that a largely, um, you know, 20 to 30 year, year old uh, fan is going to just flock to see this. They, they are probably going to be uh, a little on the other end, which is, ah, oh, you know, this is fake. I can't believe that. And so I get it from that perspective. But what, what you said is ab- absolutely right in that there was a pocket of fans who were ready and 16 years was probably a little bit too long if it did come out in maybe 01 or 02 that would have probably been a little bit more of a sweet spot but you know there 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 was like he he i don't know how many times he released the uh, rocky videotapes and then the dvds and then the blu-rays and like he you know he's still so he's still wanting to do that i, I told you the other day that uh, i heard a uh, or I saw a, a quote from him saying that there's a possibility of a Rocky Four extended cut, and we talked a little bit about that in the Rocky Four podcast. Of that, we you know there's rumors that there's tons of other footage of that movie that make it that would make it less of a you know less of a 80 minute music video than than that movie is. So you know he he does uh, he 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 has they they should have trusted him with this brand and with this character after that time. But I, I definitely understand uh, being a little scared to, to put them, to put the money in, into it after, especially after what happened with Rocky, uh, Rocky five. Yeah. And I think, I think, you know, this was his statement in a lot of ways of like, you know, don't write me off yet. I've still got some good movies left in me or I've still got some big films. And in a lot of ways it reestablished him because he had a very good run after that with Rambo and the expendables. And, you know, I think it kind of reestablished him as, you know, Sylvester Stallone, a legend of cinema, rather than, you know, just kind of an aging actor that was over the hill. Yeah, and think about it, right? Like, he, he outside of the original Rocky film, he was not seen as a great actor. But if you, like, it, it's so funny because um, in the original Rocky trailer, w- one of the selling points of the movie was that this is the second coming of a great actor in, you know, handsome, charismatic, he's going to be a great actor. But 
Stallone's career doesn't actually play out that way. He becomes the 1980s action movie star, sequel star. And so as you get older, and if he's in his 50s, being able to be that action star becomes a little bit much harder of a sell. And that's kind of what was so fun about the Expendables, because that's that's they were kind of making, you know, the whole that that was kind of part of the joke. And so, again, like he he hadn't really been seen as this great actor, but he would show signs of that, not only in this movie, but in Creed, where he gets nominated for uh, for an Academy Award uh, as a supporting actor. So being the Rocky character, being older, but still having that physique kind of allows him to get back to, I think, what people originally expected out of him was this really strong actor and and it just didn't happen that way but maybe it happens at the end all right so let's get into the general story of this film and um the the this is the first film since the original where we don't have a little bit of a, a summary or a montage of the the prior film it it starts with uh Actually, it starts with Mason the Line Dixon in the ring uh, with with the the same sort of thematics of uh, of the the openings of the other films. But Rocky is not in the ring. It is Mason Dixon. We are very clearly uh, to learn he is the heavyweight champion of the world, played by Antonio Tarver. But Jim Lampley uh, makes it also clear that. Mm, People really don't believe in this heavyweight champion. He's, you know, he's he's taking easy fights. Maybe the heavyweight division isn't fantastic here, and the crowd is uh, boos him after he cleans up on another another one. Uh, we mentioned in Rocky Four one of the signs of wealth was that Apollo Creed was in his swimming pool and there was a big TV that he was able to see. In this version, a sign of wealth is Mason Dixon goes into his car and watches a, a DVD of his fight on his screen in his car. So that is this 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 Rocky's uh, sign of wealth. So, uh, like I said, Jim Lampley, there's a- HBO Boxing is all over this movie, and it would also be uh, in the next two movies, in, in, the, in the Creed movies as well. I, I always like that because as, as, the, the, as, as the series ages, so does boxing and so does technology, and, to, and it really makes it feel... Uh, more updated when when they have the HBO boxing stuff in there, but and then sadly there's no more HBO boxing as as we are as we are discussing this this uh, movie. Well, what they do here is they kind of establish Mason Dixon as you know the unpopular champion, somebody who's like you know dominating the division, but I guess people see it as being a weaker era and you see that so much in boxing. You know, you always hear the older guys who say, "Oh, you know the heavyweights aren't as good as they were." back in my day and I think that's kind of what they're getting at, at, at with this one you know in, in Mason Dixon you have a guy who's dominating but people don't really have um, don't see his opponents as credible and it, and, that, and that's kind of setting the scene for to, to, you know he needs a challenger he needs somebody he can draw with and so uh, there's an immediately there's an immediate ode to the previous series uh, previous films in the series because uh, you see Cuff and Link, 
his his pet turtles who are very large right now and i believe are the, real, the, the real, real turtles yeah that, i couldn't believe i couldn't believe that when i read it but it, it seems that it's true <laughs> and so uh we are immediately uh we immediately recognize that adrian who was uh you know very much a part of the first five films is is has passed away so she is still very much a piece of this movie but just in a much different way um rocky jr and his father don't seem to have the greatest relationship uh jr is uh, a little bit frustrated in having to live in the shadow of a very famous father uh rocky has as a restaurant it is uh, adrian's and on the marquee it says circa 1995 which is interesting because th that would mean that the restaurant would have had to exist before she actually passed away because i believe on the tombstone 2002. It says 2002 so I don't know if that's a mistake or if that's meant to be that way, but they would have had the restaurant for seven years before she passed away. All right, let's take a break from the Rocky podcast to talk about Sunday Ticket. Sunday, Sunday, Sundays are coming back with the NFL. Uh, the NFL SundayTicket.tv. You can stream every live out-of-market NFL game every Sunday afternoon on your favorite devices plus Red Zone and DirecTV Fantasy Zone channels. You'll never miss your favorite teams and favorite players. And if the season starts correctly, uh, when it's supposed to, uh, it starts in exactly a month. So September 10th with uh, the Chiefs and the Texans. So no matter where you live, NFLSundayTicket.tv is your key to the most glorious Sundays ever. Use the promo code BLUEWIRE at checkout to get 15% off your subscription. Visit NFLSundayTicket.tv and use promo code BLUEWIRE. Uh, we get to see Spider Rico, who is uh, someone who Rocky gives free meals to. And you know what I didn't re realize about Spider Rico is the man who plays Spider Rico is a legit boxer, and he lost to uh, heavyweights. Uh, I think he lost to Mike Weaver, and there's another famous heavyweight who he lost to in his career. I when when we were doing research for the first one, I didn't remember reading too much about Spider Rico's real boxing career. Yeah, yeah, no, that, that, that's true. He, um, I, I, I think, uh, like, I think you know, he was coming to the end of his run at the time of Rocky One. I think it was not long before uh, he, he 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 lost uh, the, the decision to. Uh, Mike Weaver, which is kind of what fi finished his career. So he's an Argent Argentinian man, I'm, and I'm not sure, you know, what. Like I, I couldn't really find much information on how he w was the guy who landed that part. Yeah, there's not, there isn't much information. It's, it sounds like it may have been just like right place, right time kind of thing, which is pretty cool actually. Uh, so every year, Rocky does the Adrian tour in which he goes to certain landmarks about their uh, the start of their relationship, uh, the pet shop, uh, Mighty Mix Gym, the ice skating rink, which is now uh, taken down. 
And uh, he doesn't have any, you know, he doesn't have anyone to do this with because his son is kind of like, oh, I don't know if I want to do this. Polly is very apprehensive and he finally agrees. But Polly, it drives Polly nuts that they have to revisit uh, the past so often. Uh, so he walks into the bar and lo and behold, little, little Marie is the bartender. Now, there's an interesting thing about this scene because the bar is called Lucky Seven. The old bar that was in the first uh, first movie and I think the fifth movie Andy. is Andy's. And in a deleted scene, Rocky actually goes to Andy's. Like, it, it's deleted, but I think they had to choose between the two scenes. Yeah, because the dialogue is very similar, only he has it with Andy rather than Marie. And, and then Andy introduces them to, to, to Marie. Right. And so... There is, uh, yeah, so so we get to see Andy, but Andy's in a wheelchair, and he had his leg amputated from diabetes. Now, I didn't realize that was the same guy until I did some research on it. So, you know, it's a really like a, a, a hardcore Rocky fan kind of throwback, but they decided to change it, different bar, and uh, it, it's, it's really a little bit more FaceTime with the woman who plays Little Marie. So there's a boxing simulation of uh, heavyweight, the best, greatest heavyweight champs of all time. And in it, Mason Dixon has to face Rocky Balboa. And there's a talking head segment on ESPN about who would actually really win this fight. And like we said, the, the, a lot of the media is down on Dixon. And so two of, the, uh, two of the talking heads say Balboa wins. And of all people, Burt Sugar <laughs> is the one who says he would take uh, Dixon. And in the simulation, which is a computer simulation, and I think uh, Tarver and Stallone uh, put on motion capture suits to do the simulation, uh, Rocky knocks him out. And so this gets people talking about what would happen really in real life if Rocky and uh, Dixon fought. And this is an ode to Muhammad Ali and Rocky Marciano when they did this in the 70s. It was, and, and I think it was recorded in 1969 and released okay. in 1970. So, uh, sim- similar thing, which was who would win. And I think Ali w- was suspended at this time, right? Yeah. So, kind of a, a throwback to, to an old sort of thing Mar- that we used Mar- to Mar- do. It, it ruled that Marciano won by 13 train knockout, and Ali was not at all happy with that. <laughs> yeah, I think he said something like, the computer must have been built in Alabama or something. Um, so this was something that happened all the time, though, and is really the, 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 the reason why there is the UFC today, which is let's take um, a boxer from one generation and another generation who would win. Uh, we've done this with pro wrestling uh, a lot. You know, when, when, when I was a kid, it was always who would win between Ric Flair and Hulk Hogan. And even you take it a ne- another level with martial arts where Bruce Lee versus Luthes versus Muhammad Ali and you could all you would mix these these different uh, th- these 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 different athletes together and that's kind of what this thing this thing does is just because just creates this uh, who's who who is the best and this happens all the time or it used to happen a lot more before the UFC was actually created. I think what's good about uh, how they did this is, you know, it's kind of used as a tool to, like, justify people's view of 
uh, Dixon. Like, you know, people, as I said, as we said earlier, like people are looking at him as maybe a little bit of an undeserving champion or a guy who's, uh, who, who's, who's uh, triumphing in a weaker era. And like, you know, all people are looking at it like, you know, well, he wouldn't have been able to beat Rocky. And then they see the computer simulation of Rocky beating him. And it's kind of like that vindicates their belief. And that's sort of what, what, do you, what, 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 what puts the wheels in motion for, for, for this fight? Because, you know, his manager gets word of Rocky. Rocky's looking to get back in the sport. And, you know, instantly there's a curiosity there. And so Rocky decides that he might actually be interested in doing something locally, maybe around the club level. He's just, you know, he, he needs to stay active. Um, and so he asks his son. His son is like, ah, you know, it's probably not that great of an idea. And then he, he starts thinking about it and he realizes that he does need this. And so he goes to the boxing board for, uh, for a boxing license. And um, they basically say, oh, you, you, yeah, you've passed all of your tests. And I'm sitting there thinking, like, what? How does he pass any of his tests? Um, and, and so, but they don't want to give him the license because he is older. And, you know, they're like, look, like, we could do this, but I don't think it's very safe. And then Rocky goes on this, uh, this pursuit of happiness spiel, uh, and they eventually give in, and he has a license. Though, <laughs> I don't know if they knew that uh, he was eventually going to fight the heavyweight champion, <laughs> heavyweight champion of the world, uh, because I don't imagine that they would have uh, okayed that. So... After that happens, uh, Rocky Jr., clearly not happy. Dixon's people come after Balboa, and they want Rocky. Uh, they want it to put on an exhibition. You know, it's not really that big of a deal. It'll just raise money. We'll even give money to charity. And, you know, it's kind of like the wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Is It's like it, it's it's really not going to mean anything. You know, it's it's Floyd Mayweather and, and Conor McGregor to, to an extent. And um, Rocky Jr. is just like you know, I can't believe you're going to do this. I'm already in your shadow. My life sucks. And, and rock gives the famous speech. That is, I think probably the, the, the iconic thing about this movie where he basically tells, uh, tells his son about sh- sun, sunshine and rainbows. And we'll get to that. Uh, we'll get to that in, in a second. And then he, uh, he did, they decide to put on the fight. And it's very quickly that it fight happens. There's a training montage, which we'll get to. And then, HBO boxing at the Mandalay Bay under the Golden Boy promotions banner, which is actually a pretty interesting piece of trivia that that we'll get to. Um, and, and it made me it made me wonder, like, why is Oscar not in this movie? How is Oscar De La Hoya not in Rocky Balboa? Uh, he it seemed like it'd be an easy thing for for them to just put, you know, ha- have Oscar kind of like. The overhead over, you know, maybe Lou DiBella or something. Yeah, it, it, it was strange. We did see a lot of familiar faces, and I, I did find it like odd, odd that it, like it was Lou they chose to, to be the promoter in this one. Yeah. So it, uh, and so the uh, the the HBO boxing banner makes it really cool. You have Kellerman, you have Jim Lampley, you have Larry Merchant all together. Merchant, of course, plays like the cynical one. And, you know, this thing is a farce. And Kellerman plays like the young guy who's like, I can't believe this. You know, I get to see Rocky Balboa fight. 
So um, Rocky comes out to Frank Sinatra's High Hopes, which is kind of funny. They're, they're playing a joke on him because he's old. Holy but faked it. Yeah, but Rocky's not in on the joke. He's like, huh, I always love Sinatra. And so um, in, uh, in a great scene, which we'll talk about in a second, Mike Tyson shows up so you get to see Iron Mike. Uh, the fight is a 10-round fight. Dixon knocks Balboa down in the second round twice, but he also breaks his hand, and then Rocky puts him on the floor. And the story is, is that now, because Dixon has a broken hand, he's not going to be able to use it for a little while until it numbs up. And this will allow Rocky to actually almost, you know, fight, fight in a fair fight with, with Dixon, whose hand is messed up. And this goes all the way to the end of the 10th round. And at the very end, Mason the Line Dixon wins 95-94 in a split decision. And I really studied this score and how we could possibly get to this score. And we'll talk about it in our pet peeve section because I'm trying to figure out if I'm missing something and how you could get to a 95-94 split decision when there are... Two knockdowns or three knockdowns from Balboa and uh, Tarver goes down himself once. Okay, so let's talk about the new characters in this movie. Uh, we have Rocky Jr., who is not a new character, but he is played by a new person. And in Rocky Five, we have Sage Stallone. Sage does not. He is not in this new film. And Rocky, or sorry, Stallone has said in the past that. He thought maybe the scenes in which Rocky has the bigger shadow and the, his son is, is, is struggling to live underneath it would be a little bit too biographical for his own son. And then, you know, as, we, as we've said before, his own son, you know, would pass away uh, on, on an overdose. So I, I'm not exactly sure what their relationship was like at that time, but uh, pretty... Um, I think pretty meaningful that 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 Sage does not is not in this fight. And, and look, I think in this movie, I think if Sage is in this movie again, he probably gets a lot of negativity that he probably didn't even realize when he was a young kid. And now now that he's an adult, he's he probably would get a lot of negativity that he doesn't need at this point. So uh, Rocky Jr. is now played by Milo Ventimiglia. And this is someone who people would recognize now as being actually a really famous television actor. He is in the TV show called This Is Us, and he plays uh, he plays Jack in This Is Us, very like one of the biggest TV shows out there right now. But right before this movie, he would have been he would have finished up Gilmore Girls, which is a pretty popular TV show. And I think he's right around this time. He's like in his late twenties. And it's right before he would be on a show called Heroes, which for like a season or two was a gigantic show. And uh, then, like I said, he, he would go on to play uh, in This Is Us. So pretty big star uh, who comes out of this film. Uh, I, I don't I mean, he's done some movies in, in the past, but I think probably most memorable is, is uh, his his scenes in, in Rocky Balboa. So Antonio Tarver is Mason the Line Dixon, and let's look okay, at. Okay, I, I think I know where you're going to go with this, and, I, and like this was my thought initially as well. Like the first thing I thought while watching this, because I hadn't really even considered why they chose Antonio Tarver mm -hmm. at the time, and you know when I was thinking back when we were going to watch this, I was thinking like, 
that must have meant to have been Roy Jones Jr. and Tarver knocked him out, and that's where the switch happened. <laughs> so, because I was, I was just thinking, for, like, just for a number of reasons. One, like, Roy, Roy is like, you know, a, a much more charismatic guy naturally. He's a much more guy you'd see as a film star, I think, than uh, Antonio Tarver. And two, he's also like a very big boxing star to people who would be in the, the, the age demographic for this show. Now, I don't know, like, what I what I do know is that Roy w- was initially the first choice for this. And both literally and figuratively, he just didn't pick up the phone for whatever reason. Now, I'm not sure, because we spoke about it already, that, like, you know, there's drafts in play from 1999 to when this film came out in 2006. Now, I'm not sure at what point they decided to move with Tarver, uh, like where, where those timelines converge. Um, you know, he would have just won the, re- the the rubber match with Jones in October 2005, which would, uh, which would have been just a couple of months before they went to set. They went to set in December 2005. Yeah. He was, at that point, the, the reigning light heavyweight champion of the world. Now, by the time the movie came out, he had lost that title to Bernard Hopkins. Yeah, so five fights prior to Rocky Balboa, he beats Roy Jones um, twice. Actually, so this would be four. I think well, four. he lost the first fight to Jones. Right. He okay. So what he, he should have won it. Like you know, I think most people scored that fight to Jones, and then he came back and won with the knockout the second time. Okay. So uh, and then there's a there's a split of of two fights with Glenn Johnson. And then right out of Rocky, so right out of the filming, he would then lose to Bernard Hopkins. And there's, you know, I don't know how easy, it, I'm sure it was kind of fairly easy for him to put on the weight. I don't know what his walk around weight was when he wasn't weight cutting, but I've I think he, he got to 25 two, pounds for this movie. Yeah, so he got to 221. And then, you know, when he comes out of this movie, I don't know how much time he actually had to train to uh for for Hopkins but to get back down I can't imagine it was uh it was easy for him to do so and you know really he wouldn't uh he, he wouldn't really do too much after after this movie comes out you know the thing with Tarver is well not at the same level he did go on in the sport for a really long time and got some decent enough wins even up until very late in his career you know after losing to Hopkins he got a couple of bounce back wins picking up the lightly regarded IBO b- belt. But like that kind of paved the way for him to challenge uh, the veteran British fighter, Clinton Woods, for the IBF uh, championship. And, you know, he beat Woods, and that was really his last big, big win as a light heavyweight. After that, he lost a pair of decisions back-to-back to, back to Ch- Chad Dawson's. If they were not good fights by any stretch of the imagination, I think one was on HBO and the other was on Showtime, um, and I think they drew very, very badly at the t- time. I think maybe just like a couple of thousand people I- in the arena. I think more than anything, that's kind of what finished them, at least at like, you know, this very top, top level. But he did fight on after that. And like, you know, he moved up to cruiserweight and, he- and then heavyweight. And, uh, you know, he did okay. He beat Danny Green. Um, he drew at Latif Coyote. I thought he won the fight against 
coyote but it didn't really matter anyway because you know he failed the post-fight drugs test afterwards and it was overturned but even after that he came back and you know he had a trio of fights uh you know beating mike shepherd and jonathan banks and then drawing his very final fight in uh in 2015 with steve cunningham you know at that stage he was well well into his 40s i think at the time of Rocky Balboa was made, he was he was thirty eight already. So he had like a much much longer uh, run in the sport than the vast majority of guys do. And that and that's the thing that I never realized is how old he was because he started boxing so late in his life. For the you know for for normal championship fighter, he 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 got started really late. And and I think the other thing about him, I think why he looks the part. I've always found him to be very charming. He's he's you know he's a little elusive sometimes, but I always found him to be very charming. And he looked far younger than he actually was, so he could play that part in the sense of looking the part. But you know, at two hundred and twenty-one pounds, you know, he wasn't a gigantic steroided-out guy. And that's who the, you know, those are more of like the monsters that Rocky was fighting back then. So he's actually, Rocky's actually boxing with a real guy. So Yeah, I I, I thought Tarver did a real good job in the role because, you know, his role was not to steal the show in this movie. He was just to be the unpopular champion. You know, that's that's what his role was to be in this. You know, he's meant to be kind of a background figure. Rocky was meant to be the one every, like that was kind of the whole story of the movie. Rocky was meant to be the one that all the shine was on, even though he was the champion. All right, so AJ Benza plays Dixon's manager. AJ Benza was a pretty big deal in like the early 2000s. He was a uh, like a pop culture gossip writer, kind of like uh, TMZ before TMZ. He was always on like the Talking Head uh, TV shows, and then Lou DeBella plays himself, which was kind of interesting. Uh, and then uh, Lil Marie, who again, not not a new character, but a new version of this character, is played by an I uh, uh, an actress from Ireland named Geraldine Hughes. And the only thing I really know about her is the casting director saw her on stage and yeah, then think... reached out to her about the part in the movie. Yeah, I think. Um... I think like Geraldine Hughes is from Belfast. I think she mainly like mainly has been a stage had been a stage actor up to this point. I think I think she still does a lot of stage stuff now to this day. Like she has had a few movies since, but um, I think she's predominantly a stage actor. Yeah, I mean the the care the choosing of her uh, is it was a little out of left field. And I, I wonder if Stallone knew that in order for this character to work, like he needed a really good actress to do it because the, the original actress was really bothered that, and we'll get to that in, in, in sort of the facts and the trivia, but the original actress was sort of promised the role. And then we talked about in Rocky Five, she gets cut out. And then in this movie, uh, they just go completely someone different. Have you ever heard of DealDash? It is the best, most honest bidding site where you can win things you'd never expect at a price you'd never believe. They have over 1,000 auctions every day in electronics, appliances, beauty products, home decor, and even cars. And here's how it works. Everyone knows how an auction works. In this case, every item starts at $0 and only goes up one cent every time you bid. 
The kicker is that the auction clock restarts after just 10 seconds. That means every time you bid, everyone else has 10 seconds to answer or the item is yours. If you go ahead and buy now, Deal Dash is offering our listeners an extra 100 free bids upon sign up on top of their other discounts. Go to dealdash.com and use the offer code FIGHTGAME or dealdash.fm front slash FIGHTGAME. That's D E A L D A S H dot F M front slash F I G H T G A M E. Okay, so let's talk about our favorite scenes. This movie is not, uh, you know, we talked about three and four. Three and four were like just a series of punchlines and a series of like really like punchy dialogue and not really super drawn out scene scenes. And this film is not like that. There are long scenes. There's lots of dialogue. There's lots of Rocky giving inspirational quotes and trying to make sense out of certain things in his own Rocky way. Uh, so I only have five here. Uh, and and so I'll give mine and then doing you can give yours if uh, there are any others. So I think the 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 first scene where I really kind of, you know, because I'm watching this movie, I can clearly remember, I'm nervous watching this movie. I am so, like, uh, my, my hopes with this movie are so much tied to it being an actual good movie. And so I'm just kind of antsy. And when I finally calm down and I finally settle down is when Rock drives little Marie home. And there's a scene where the the goofy dude and his and the, the the young girls that are with him that try to get Rocky to buy them a drink. And they're being really disrespectful to him and Marie. And so they go in the in the in the van and he's about to drive Marie home and he's like and she's like, no, it's all right. He's like, it is not all right. And he gets out and like roughs the dude up. And I was like, okay. After that scene is done, I'm like, I see the audience react and I'm like, okay, this, I'm going to be fine. This movie's going to be fine. And that's really kicked the whole movie off for me, that whole scene. All right. So, Polly and Rocky are back at the meat plant where Polly still works 31 years. And Rocky is basically using Polly as his best friend to tell him that there's something missing in his life. And he's got like all of these feelings deep down inside that he has to let out. And he calls, he calls it, I think he calls it the beast. And then he says, you know, these things in the basement, which Polly gets a big kick out of, but it's really, um, I think the scene works because a Rocky is like really feeling at this point. And, and Polly is not necessarily the best guy to have a conversation with at this time. And, Paulie also starts like he thinks like Rocky's kind of joking. He's like, like there's this line where Rocky's saying that he wants to get back in the ring, and Paulie's like, "You haven't peaked yet," and he's like, "Not really." He doesn't think Rocky's serious at all. And then finally, he realizes, you know, and he's trying to give Rocky a little bit of advice about like, you know, 
this this age thing it just happens and 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 rocky just has this you know he's just so dead set i mean he's so he he needs to have this fight as an emotional sort of outlet for for all the things that he's holding inside so i also really like that film both because it's classic poly because he doesn't really understand the emotion of it until the very end and because you know you get to see stallone kind of act again and it was actually kind of cool so the third one is obviously the one that I think most people would remember is him with his son. The world ain't all sunshines and rainbows. We'll get to that in a second when we go over uh, favorite quotes, because that is my, that, that whole thing is kind of like one long quote. And then you mentioned this already, but it's the training scene in which Duke is basically telling Rocky all of the things that he's not good at anymore as an older guy. So the only thing that they're going to deal with here, the only thing they're going to focus on is the power. And then he like cracks his neck and he's talking about building hurting bombs. Like that was the scene where I was just like, okay, the next 30 minutes of this thing is going to be just great. What I loved about that is it kind of felt like Duke's character had been sitting in his gym for 10 years waiting for Rocky to call him, you know, just right, waiting there ready with the strategy all, all along just just in case one day Rocky wanted to come back, 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 come back and fight one last time. That's what it kind of felt like from his character. And, you know, we talked about it before that Duke's kind of been one of the secret weapons of this series that, you know, they don't give him a lot for whatever they they give him uh, it, it, it's always memorable and you know that was this was another case of that and then finally this isn't even really a scene it's more of like a cameo shot but right before they get into the ring you see mike tyson going nuts and i had not heard that tyson was going to be involved in this movie so when i saw him there oh my god i was like i can't believe iron mike tyson is in a uh, is in a Rocky film, so that I, I thought that was just so awesome, and it kind of like you know it's just one of those little little little, uh, little gifts that that Stallone put in for the fight fans. All right, what about you? Okay, well, like the two, and this might have been in the part of the film that you were still quite nervous about, but I thought like the opening of the film was really important, you know, when you're opening this up after 16 years, you know, to make something that, you know, people can connect with. And I thought they did this really strong with um, Rocky going to to see Adrian, to visit Adrian's grave. Um, You see there that... You know, he stored away a, tr- uh, a chair in the tree so he can come there and sit with Adrian and discuss th- things with her. And you know, as the f- you know, as the shot uh, pans out, you see the guy who's waiting there with him is, is Polly. You know, Polly's been with with him all-, all-, all this time, and I thought that was a great way to you know introduce de- 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 them back into this world and you know show that they've still been friends t- through throughout the whole 16 years and then I guess going hand in hand on that is you know their little tour that you mentioned you know they're going around all the old spots you know they're going around Mickey's and the ice rink and the pet store and all these places they're old houses and you know Rocky's kind of chasing ghosts here you know and you can you find out through watching them that like he's doing this every single year and he's telling Polly the same stories. And you can see that Polly's getting agitated a little bit as they go on. 
And what you find out is that, like, the reason why Polly's having such a hard time with it is that, you know, as we've seen throughout these five five previous movies, he didn't always have the greatest relationship with Adrian. That, you know, a lot of times he was, he was, he could be mean to her and they could fight. And so, well, well Rocky's remembering this as, like, you know, he's the best years of his life. For Polly, there's a lot of regret there as well. And, you know, I think... We also talked about a lot in in, in the series about how like kind of Polly and Rocky are used as, as two con- two contrasting characters who kind of grew up in the in the same way or came about in the same way. You know, Polly's kind of a, a different route that the Rocky character could have taken, and I think that this is that's reflected a little bit here in you know how. You know, Rocky, Rocky's remembering things and how Polly's remembering things. There's a deleted scene that actually explains that even further. And they actually replaced it with uh, a different scene. It's a, sort of the same scene with just different dialogue. But there's the scene where uh, Polly gets fired from his job and he is like trying to deal with these emotions. And he is so frustrated with, with his life. In a deleted scene or an alternate scene, he was actually really depressed because he missed his sister and because he knew that he was not as good to her as Rocky was. And so, you know, to go back to your point about this scene, he, the things that, that Rocky really loves, they're just giving, they're just bringing really bad memories for Paulie. Yeah, um, the other ones, you know, we, you, I, we're, we're going to come to our, you know, our we, we're going to come to is the scene with Robert, which we, we talked about already. We talked about the Duke scene. And the last one that I really like is just uh, after the fight, you know, when Rocky's leaving the, 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 the arena as the decision's read and he's there with, you know, all of his team with with Steps and Marie and Paulie and Duke and he kind of thanks them all and he just you know the crowd are cheering for him and he just kind of stands there in the aisleway and and you know waves to them and it, it just it was just kind of a nice farewell I think that you know he's like it kind of brought this all to a close and that like in Rocky Five you didn't really get the have that farewell he didn't get to have that farewell in front of the crowd that he wanted to leave on his terms and you know this is what that felt like you know he'd, he'd gone back had that last fight gave a great account of himself and you know now he could leave and you know move on with his life outside of boxing there is a sister scene in Creed 2 which is sort of very similar in the same way, sort of a goodbye, but also a passing of the torch to to Adonis that I think, you know, if, if you if you know of both scenes, they probably become a little bit more meaningful. Was that the last scene? Yeah. OK, so let's talk about quotes. Um, like I said, the one liners aren't all throughout this movie like they are in the previous ones. Um, they're much longer scenes. So uh, I'll just give you four. Uh, in the scene that we're talking about with Polly, Polly basically tells Ro- uh, Rocky that he's living life backwards. And I thought that was really interesting because a lot of times what we do as human beings is, you know, we think about memories. Like, look, we have cameras and 
and photographs, that's the entire reason to have a photograph is so you can sort of remember where you were at a specific time. Same with, uh, you know, video, recording video of a moment is so you can kind of relive it. And it is a very interesting comment coming from someone like Pauly because, you know, we don't rely necessarily on Pauly for smart things. We rely on him more for kind of wisecracky kind of things. But the idea that he's seeing his best friend live life backwards and not look forward to the things that he could still do, you know, which is he's got a son, uh, he's got a restaurant, um, you know, he, he, whenever he needs to deal with something, it seems like he goes into the past to do it. So I really liked just that. Is this a single line? You know, you're living life backwards, Rocco. Uh, so there's another uh, scene, or actually, it's the same scene that we talked about in the bar with little Marie. And Rocky's trying to tell her, like, you know, you you told me off one time, like I walked you home and, and, and then you told me, screw you, creepo. And she's like, no way. I never said that. He's like, you did. And she's like, oh, wow, I can't, I can't. How do you remember that? And he's like, great insults last a long time. <laughs> I really like that one. Uh, so there's another one where um, he talks about, um, he, he's talking to, to, to Marie in, in, in the van. And he's basically saying like, um, you know, Actually, I don't know if that's if that's where this scene happens or if or, or if it happens another time. But basically, he's trying to explain that people think he's crazy for wanting to get in the ring again. And he says, what's crazy about standing toe to toe saying I am? So for Rocky, the thing and this goes back to the second film, you know, where where he's telling Adrian, like, I'm a boxer like this is what I do for my living. And this is how he believes in himself. This is where he gets confidence from. This is where his he, he gets some ego. Uh, his self-esteem all comes from getting in the ring and showing how tough he can actually be. And then obviously, um, I'll save this one. I'll, say, I'll save the it's how hard you hit uh, for last. But there's one more that I forgot, actually. And um, so Rocky is trying to get his boxing license back. And, and, you know, he's like, isn't there like some, some rights that I have or whatever? And then their guys are like, oh, you mean the bill of rights? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. The bill of rights. Doesn't it say something about going after what makes you happy? And then the, the commissioner guy goes, uh, no, that's the pursuit of happiness. What's your point? He goes, my point is I'm pursuing something and nobody looks too happy about it. Yo, don't I got some rights? What rights do you think you're referring to? Rights, like in that official paper that they wrote down the street there? That's the Bill of Rights. Yeah, yeah, the Bill of Rights. Don't it say something about going after what makes you happy? No, that's the pursuit of happiness. But what's your point? My point is I'm pursuing something and nobody looks too happy about it. That line, that line always cracks me up. Okay, so let's get to the really the meat of, uh, of, of meat and potatoes of probably the best scene of the whole film and the best quote. So Rocky basically tells his son who um, now we'll, 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 so so Rocky Jr. does not go and visit his dad. His dad is trying to get him to, to come around. He he decides, you know, that he's always got better things to do. Um, and so finally, Rocky Jr. comes to visit him at, at the at the restaurant. And he's like, oh, wow, like my son's here. And his son is not happy to see him because he's agreed to take this fight. And Robert basically tells Rocky that living the life 
uh, as your son is really hard and it's just it's it's if you do this i'm going to become a laughing stock and and this and that it's like making it all about himself very selfish and rocky starts with the world ain't all sunshines and rainbows it's a very mean and nasty place i don't care how tough you are we'll beat you to your knees and keep you there permanently and he's basically telling his son like you know you you allow people to tell you what to do to stick a finger in your chest and 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 you allow people to direct you to do that he says it's more about it's not about how hard you can hit. It's actually how hard you can get hit and keep moving forward. And this is what he equates to winning. And then he talks about, you know, he's always going to love his son no matter what. And so this, all of a sudden, like the second this movie comes out, this becomes the meme of all memes that you want to put on your inspirational pin, Pinterest board. And it just sort of takes a life of its own when it comes to inspiration. We ain't going to believe this. Well, you used to fit right here. I'd hold you up and say to your mother, this kid's gonna be the best kid in the world. This kid's gonna be somebody better than anybody ever knew. And you grew up good and wonderful. It was great just watching every day. It was like a privilege. Then the time come for you to be your own man and take on the world, and you did. But somewhere along the line, you changed. You stopped being you. You let people stick a finger in your face and tell you you're no good. And when things got hard, you started looking for something to blame, like a big shadow. Let me tell you something you already know. The world ain't all sunshine and rainbows. It's a very mean and nasty place, and I don't care how tough you are, it will beat you to your knees and keep you there permanently if you let it. You, me, or nobody is gonna hit as hard as life. But it ain't about how hard you hit. It's about how hard you can get hit and keep moving forward. How much you can take and keep moving forward. That's how winning is done. Now, if you know what you're worth, now go out and get what you're worth. But you got to be willing to take the hits and not pointing fingers saying you ain't where you want to be because of him or her or anybody. Cowards do that and that ain't you. You're better than that. I'm always going to love you no matter what, no matter what happens. You're my son, you're my blood. You're the best thing in my life. But until you start believing in yourself, you ain't going to have a life. The question I have for you is, like, you know, there are a lot of things that actually make this movie work. I think this is really the glue, like this scene is really the glue for the whole movie because it takes the Stallone or it takes the Rocky Balboa character um, from just this punchy guy. And, and as he's realizing who he is and what he needs, like he explains it to his son, maybe in a way that he never even thought about it before, but it's because of all these experiences and all these like things. And to me, it's really a metaphor for how when you get older, you're always thinking about if you had only known this when you were 21, or if you had only known this when you were 25. And so what do we do? Well, we, we tell it to our friends, we tell it to our relatives, we tell it to our kids. And they're like, yeah, 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 whatever. 
And then they will learn these things as they get older. But to me, it was just a metaphor for like, here's wisdom that you have and that you just want to so badly give to other people. Um, but it's so hard to, to, you know, for people to really understand it until they have gained it themselves, really. Yeah, I think what's really good, what, what works really well in this is that, you know, Rocky's really tough on Robert, but it's not in a way to cut him down at all. It's in a way to kind of, you know, Rocky, if anything, is trying to release him from the pressure that he's he's put Robert under. He's kind of saying, look... You don't have to. You don't have to be in my sh- shadow. You, it, it's it's on you to kind of be, become your own man. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, as you said, it's something that really struck a chord with people. You know, how many times have you heard this? You know, sampled and 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 quotes from this that that speech used in uh, music, or you know, just seen it posted on. On, on different social media, you know, using as, as you know, inspirational quotations. It's something that, you know, you know, we're 16 years on and we, we still hear it a lot. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, okay, what, what about some of yours? Okay, um, one I like a lot is, you know, when, when Paulie and Rocky are going around the place and uh, Rocky's going around all the old places and they're outside mix and Rocky says the sign's falling apart and Paulie says the whole world is falling apart. And, <laughs> um, and, and Rocky's line is like, if you live someplace long enough, you become that pl- that place. And I, what I like about that is it kind of, it really sets the the tone for what this film is it's really about rocky trying to figure out where he fits in as an older guy now you know he like his his wife adrian has been his world for so long and you know so much of his identity has been from being in the sport of boxing and you know with those two things away and like everything around him changing which it's it's how how he where does he fit in and that's kind of I think what brings them back to b- boxing is you know that's his rock, yeah for sure that that's what he knows best. All right, is there anything else? Um, and yeah, you you mentioned it all, all already, but like you know when he's t- telling Paulie about the idea of going back in the ring, and he says like. Are you mad they took your statue <laughs> down? And he goes, uh, what, you haven't peaked yet? <laughs> and that the taking of the statue down is like a real story, right? Yeah. Well, it, it, it got moved. Yeah, but, pe- uh, but people were like really upset because the city saw it. It's like, ah, it's just like this movie prop. Like, why do people care so much? But I guess kind of going, going hand in hand with that one is like, you know, because Paulie does needle him a fair bit, but he's also kind of quite supportive when he needs to be. And the scene you you talked about, where you know after Paulie let let is let go from his job, and Rocky's kind of consoling him a, a bit on it. Um, you know, ro- just after the Rocky's about to walk away, Paulie says, "You know, it takes a lot of a lot of guts climbing back into the ring, knowing you're going to get a beating." Yeah, and you know, Rocky's just about to leave, and Paulie goes. You know you're you're, you're going to do all right, Rock. And you know it, it, you know it's just it's just that photo of confidence that he he belie- he believed in Ro- Ro- Rocky even like at that late stage of his career because he 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 knows what he's made of. Yeah, and then and then Rocky's like, well, how do you know? And he's like, and then he starts giggling stuff again. The, the stuff in the basement. He got he got such a kick out of that of that uh, stuff in the basement line. 
Um, and yeah, the, the last one I disliked was Rocky getting kind of a little, I don't know, he's kind of trying to get a little psychological advantage on the champion where, um, you know, Tarver's telling him, uh, or Mason's telling him, you know, oh, look, nobody needs to get hurt. We'll, I'll carry you a few rounds. And Rocky says, look, a lot of people come to Vegas to lose. I didn't. And uh, Mason says, it's already over. And Rocky says, it, it ain't over till it's over. And <laughs> Mason says, what's that from the 80s? And Rocky says, probably the 70s. <laughs> but then when he's just about to walk away, Rocky says, champ, aren't you even a little bit scared? And to me, that was just kind of Rocky's way of, you know, getting in his head a little bit. He's like, he's saying, okay, you've beaten a lot of guys, but, you know, those guys aren't aren't Rocky Rocky Balboa. This is this is a whole new new kettle of fish for you. And you know, I, I, I'm I'm coming to win this one. Yeah. No. Totally. Um. And you know, as a Mason Dixon would, he's like, ah, eh, I don't get scared. And like. If like you know, Rocky explains this in Rocky Five, which is uh, how to use fear to your advantage. The fact that Mason Dixon doesn't get scared probably has something to do with the fact that he hasn't really fought anybody, right? He hasn't really fought anybody to to make him believe that he could ever lose. And this is what this is the whole reason why his management team wants him to fight Rocky A so that the fans and the media could look at him as someone who has it's actually, credibility right he's engaged rocky yeah. has the rocky has the credibility that even even at the fan stage you know he, nobody buys the the guys dixon is fighting you know they don't want to see him fight another another one of these creep up guys so and you know you know they they would rather see him fight somebody Who's a name, and you know, who, and like, I think it's kind of like that old thing of like, just there'll be so much more interest in in that fight, like even if people don't think it's a contest, just because Rocky's name's attached to it, and you know, his management is kind of presenting to presenting it to him as like, you can come out of this looking quite magnanimous, you know, you you gave the old champion a shot to have one last glory day, you didn't go too hard on him, that that type of thing. And so as we get to the training uh, and the fight scenes and the way music is used in this movie, we have a very underrated uh, training montage. I don't think this one gets uh, any credit for the fact that Rock, uh, Stallone is actually using a lot of like modern day. And when I say modern day, we're talking 2006, like MMA training. Like he does things that in in this film that uh, I would watch uh, Chuck and Randy and uh, you know those guys do uh, in their own training. So I thought that was really cool. Um, but also I think it's I think it is a little bit underrated because you know again he's just an older guy and it's it's not sort of the same thing of him running with the city like like even even duke says in the beginning like you can't really run hard because your knees are all messed up and you know so it's a lot of weightlifting it's a lot of um you know just really heavy heavy weightlifting some running and i i, I just love it because you know he is they're being creative with what he could actually do to offset the things that he can't do and so you're seeing kettlebells 
it works on two levels as well because like you know it works in like obviously he can't do the athleticism anymore but it also works from a storyline perspective because you know what you've learned about Rocky is you know he's not going to be able to do those dynamic workouts so he has to do like you know these real tough guy work it and I think they made a classic Rocky montage out of what they could do you know with, with just power just the power stuff you know the hurling the barrels and the other thing I liked about this is you know there's a lot of you know nods to the past of like the the drinking the eggs and the hitting the meat and mm-hmm. like I feel like a lot of a lot of that aspect a lot of care went into this film that you know didn't go into Rocky 5 we, we talked about, about in Rocky 5 how there was a lot of just kind of lazy writing and stuff like that I feel like they joined all, all the dots together in this one yeah the uh, doing the uh, lat raises with the chains um, push ups with the medicine ball the one the one arm push ups with the medicine ball is a sort of a way to say he probably can't do the one armed push ups anymore <laughs> like he used to uh and then uh like you said the throwing the barrels which I've never actually done before um so there's that yeah, you'll notice there's zero sparring in his training but there's a deleted scene of him sparring and it's for some reason set to opera music and uh, Marie is, for some reason, in, in watching him uh, spar. Duke is there, obviously. Paulie's there. And Steps is there. And, the, and like he's getting worked. Like He's like so out of sync. He looks terrible. And then they basically tell him to hit the showers. And, and, and this, this would have um, been the scene right before the training because Paulie says, don't worry about it. Duke's got some stuff that's going to work like you know basically saying if you didn't if you didn't feel like that was good don't worry about it like Duke Duke has a nice regimen for you so so don't worry about it um uh three six mafias it's a fight is actually a pretty good hip-hop song uh for you know it wasn't I don't know if how popular the song became because there's some weird things about the actual soundtrack of this movie like there's a there's a soundtrack called uh, Rocky Balboa, the best of Rocky. Yeah, it's not it's not really a soundtrack for this mo- movie. Yeah, it's like a compilation of like the first five films plus like a couple songs from this film. Yeah, there, there's like there wasn't really an official soundtrack made to this movie, but you know, like I think what they did on for the music on this one for the first time, I think. You know, they really realize how important the familiarity of the, the of those songs is. You know, with 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 the absence of time, um, you know, Bill Conti used a lot of his classic numbers in this in this film. You know, they used "Gonna Fly Now," they used "Mickey," they used all those songs that you you know from over the years. And you know, I think they realized at this point, you know, because you mentioned before that like. In a lot of the other films, they, you know, Conti was getting frustrated. He wanted to change them. I wanted to do something different. I think he realized at this point how iconic they were and how important it was, you know, bringing Rocky back. You had those memorable songs in there. And so um, there was another soundtrack that came out right before this film, which was the 30th anniversary to the original Rocky soundtrack. I remember buying both of these sound uh, both of these albums on iTunes uh I think on exactly the same day. The, this Best of Rocky as well as the uh the, the anniversary of the, f- the original soundtrack. I think they like remastered it or something. 
Okay, so the fight in of itself, the idea was for it to be as realistic as possible. So this wasn't as much choreographed as some of the other fights were. This was a lot more of Stallone moving with a real boxer, and uh, he and Tarver uh, sort of understanding how hard they could he- they could hit each other for it to look realistic. And if uh, the, the the one main thing about this fight scene uh, that Stallone really just de- de- described in detail is how they did the sound effects for the punches. He said that in in the earlier films, because they wanted this like bombastic sound whenever you would get hit, they did a bunch of things like breaking bottles and and just loud noises. And they kind of just like put them all together into one sound. But in this fight, they um, they took sound from real punches in, in real fights and real boxing matches and, and use those as the sound of the punches actually hitting because it is, um, you know, it is not necessarily this choreographed dance like some of the other fights were. It's rough. Like like Stallone and Dixon are not often, you know, on the same page necessarily. And you can really see uh, maybe the lack of of uh, footwork from from Stallone in just in the way that they do this. But it's really rugged, and I think it's rugged for a reason too, right? Because Rocky at this point, we, you know, we just had Duke tell him that, you know, he's not going to be able to do some of the things that he used to. And it's all about setting up power shots. So Rocky's like, you know, just getting inside for the sake of getting inside and taking punches in order to get inside. And there's not really this like sweet science of, of movement that, that you see in like really great boxing matches. So it's really, really rough. And I was trying, I was wondering what you thought of like how, how much more of like a, like a grappling boxing match it really is. Yeah. This is actually one of my favorite uh, fights in the whole series. And, you know, I think what they do really well in this is the kind of mix in between having, you know, a HBO type production, uh, like from a a, a HBO pay-per-view fight with like kind of what you see in a, typically in a rocky fight and you know i remember watching this in the cinema and it's just if it's it's shot so close up but it feels so claustrophobic and brutal it's just like you know and and, and you really feel the shots going in it, it just like it feels like and i think part of what you said as well just because it's not that clean it just feels that little bit more gritty and and just brutal um and i also think they got the story really uh, really uh well put together for this fight as well in that like you know you know rocky is an older guy you know he's he's meant to be out of his depth but they kind of make it to make it a story around it that's kind of believable You, you you like you're told that dixon hasn't come in in the best shape of his life and you know rocky's been training his ass off the whole time even with that you know rocky has a lot of difficulty getting to getting to the younger man you know he's he's too slow he's a bit his timing's off he hasn't been in the ring for a very long time but when then when dixon hurts his hand that gives him that gives rocky the opportunity to drag him into the type of fight rocky wants the old man brawl 
and you know and Rocky's more than happy to be able to stand and trade with him and that's something he can do so like I thought you know just what they did in terms of trying to make it a believable scenario out of it was really really well done so they show the first two rounds in full like it's an HBO boxing broadcast with the announcing and then uh, for the rest of the rounds I think until the last round it is is more uh, cut scenes, but they have uh, Stallone and uh, and Tarver in black and white for a lot of it. Though there is color in some of the other parts of the scene, uh, like the blood, you can see the blood in color. But it's interesting they they decided to go to like an old school black and white to tell the rest of the story. And I haven't really seen too much about why they did that. But what did you think about? them doing the the black and white scenes for kind of the montage parts um i thought it looked i thought it looked cool um i i I don't i don't know why they did it i just i just thought it it worked well and uh, you know it it just kept that kind of gritty feel to it um yeah so i mean i i agree with you that there is the, the there's a lot of realism to the story of this fight i do have a problem with uh with the scorecards but we'll get to that down down the line a little bit so um was there anything else you wanted to talk about the training or the fights or, or any of the music? No. Okay. So let's kind of dig through some of the behind the scenes and, and facts about this movie. So when I first heard that Stallone was thinking of doing another movie, I, the way I heard it was that he was very inspired by George Foreman. So from you know, uh, I think it's 1994, Foreman knocks out Michael Moore to win the championship. And I had always heard that Stallone really loved that story of Foreman, but not only the story of him coming back, but also, you know, what he became after boxing and what he was doing with his life. Um, there, you know, there's lots of charity work done by by Big George as well around this time, using his fame and his story for for good. And I always heard that was going to be the inspiration for Rocky, which was, oh, you know, Rocky's become, you know, this guy and he's really teaching kids and he's he's really interested in charity. And I thought, like, God, how can you make a movie out of that, though, when, you know, the whole thing is to get back in the ring like that can't just be the entire movie. And some of what that movie was was in the original scripting called uh, Puncher's Rocky Six Puncher's Chance. And so. I was happy to hear that that they did update whatever that script was from the late 90s until now, because I did think that if they did that and it was more of a story, uh, more of a movie uh, rather than a boxing movie, I thought it would I thought I think that is maybe what the studios would have been afraid of in that there wasn't again that, you know, just like Rocky Five, there wasn't a real way to get to an apex in the end and so glad that 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 happened but did you ever hear anything about the early the early script or the early ideas for this movie um just a few things like like one thing i know that you know sly had talked about was that adrian was going to still be alive or maybe that she would die during the film um and you know that was one I was actually going to ask you you about is what you, what you thought about the decision for her to you know die off off off, off screen. I think like what Slice 
kind of his view on it was that like if you pick it back up and Adrian and Rocky are still together you're kind of going to be going back to telling the same story again of like does Rocky want to fight does Adrian not want him to fight you know and it's going to be a rehash of where you already were and to really kind of shake up the world and to change that dynamic you had to take Adrian out of the picture and I know that Talia Shire like you know she wasn't displeased at all about it she she thought like you know the way they used adrian in this film without her being actually in in it in any way uh, was was really strong and you know it, it, it kind of helped cement that character's legacy i uh, let's save this for the questions section because i want to tie it into another thing so we'll hold off on this and, and we'll we'll uh, do it in the next section so uh, so obviously, you already mentioned Sly wanted Roy Jones in this film. Uh, so when they weigh in, Rocky is 217 pounds. This would be 15 pounds up in weight for his first fight with Clubber Lang. I don't re- actually remember what he weighed for the Drago fight. But so, you know, age, he's added lots of muscle. Uh, he's still he he's not obviously not as uh, lean but his shoulders are way bigger. Um, he's still got crazy abs, but uh, he is 15 pounds uh, heavier. So we, we would assume, you know, 15 pounds of muscle or whatever for him to fight in the, in the strategy that he needs to fight for this one. Uh, also, Stitch Duran, who would be in uh, Adonis Creed's corner in, in both uh, Creed 1 and 2, is actually in Mason Dixon's corner in uh, in this one and there's a del- there's an alternate ending where uh rocky actually wins and i think stitch gets to be a little bit more emotional because as they're reading the scorecards and it reads that rocky wins stitch is like really really upset at, at the at the decision so the judges in this fight uh adelaide bird chuck chiampa and bill graham our old friend Stu naham is actually in the movie but he's a commentator for the computer fight. Not, I don't think we actually see him, but his voice is in uh, Rocky Balboa. Did you notice who the referee was in this one? The referee was Joe Cortez. Absolutely. I, so I'm assuming he, he was going to be the referee for the, uh, the actual fight that the uh, actual the actual fight was uh, Bernard Hopkins against Jermaine Taylor. It was their, their second fight that uh, that, that, that it was the, uh, December third, two thousand and five. Yeah, so I mean, it's very interesting that you know they were looking for a venue to have this, and they were like, oh, you know, they're going to have a fight at the Mandalay. Let's just piggyback on this. There's already going to be a crowd there. We'll be sort of the warm up in between, you know, the the last second to last fight and the last fight. There's always like that, you know, thirty minute delay or whatever. And so they shot the uh, the boxing scenes in that time frame. They had the whole crowd there. They you know there there's uh there's video of uh, Brian Kenny who's kind of hyping the crowd to, to kind of get ready, you know, get ready for your Rocky chant. Cause here comes Rocky Balboa. You have a chance to be part of the movie, Rocky Balboa. So pretty cool idea that I thought just worked tremendously, but though I can imagine, you know, it like probably if they didn't do it perfectly, it could have been a big problem. All right. So, um, 
there is some scenes cut from this movie, a whole actual other storyline, which is interesting. And I want to get your thoughts on this. So Pauly moves in with his girlfriend and he leaves Rocky to uh, live by himself. Pauly was Rocky's roommate. He's going to move in with his girlfriend. Rocky is to live alone. And But that is the reason why Rocky gets the dog. That's why he gets punchy is because he needed, essentially he needed a roommate. And uh, and so there's a whole scene where Rocky gets to the house. Polly's girlfriend is there. She's like, oh, he didn't tell you. He's moving in with me. He's like, no, he didn't tell me. And then there's another scene that is not in the film where uh, where Rocky basically is like, you know, what's going on? And then, uh, and then Paulie eventually admits that he wants to come back. And he says, you know, and Rocky's like, of course I want you to come back and live with me. And he says that his girlfriend snores. So they took this whole other storyline out of this movie, which is Paulie actually had a relationship. And I was kind of like, I, I mean, I get why they took it out. It's probably a lot of it was probably just making the movie a little bit longer. But like the idea that Paulie had a girlfriend, I thought was a cool little side storyline. Um, yeah, I, 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 like I've watched that scene, and I, like I don't think it aids the narrative really. I think I think they made the, the right decision to, t- to take it out o- overall. And then there's another deleted scene where Rocky explains to Steps, little Marie's son, that his parents divorced, and both of the parents actually left him i i mean he didn't explain it a lot like how how can they leave you when you're like a little kid but he basically was telling steps because steps is grown grown up without a dad and he was just like yeah you know i i didn't have a dad and then he's saying that he didn't really have a mom much either i thought that was interesting because they never you never really hear anything about the uh rocky balboa character when it came to the childhood like he, he doesn't really say too much about the family or the parents or anything yeah, and uh, like uh, that was actually one. I, that was one I maybe would have left in because, like, one of the things I find quite charming about this, like, I think this, and you could tell me if you agree or not, is like I think this version of Rocky is one of the most likable versions ever, and you know, it's he's just a good dude, and in, in, in a big part of that is just kind of his dealings with Steps and Marie, and that like. You know, he doesn't really owe them any anything as such, but like you know, he, he he's just kind of found these people that you know he can because he can help them. He wants to. Yeah. So, um, Stallone, in talking about the uh, the reason to do this movie, there was an interview that he did. I don't even remember the website, but it was uh, it, it was like a comic book website or something. And so he goes, uh, I feel I let a lot of people down with Rocky Five. I really did. I've gone through a lot of ups and downs myself. To just put all of this into a film, maybe that's what made the first one work because it didn't deal with boxing, you know. It dealt with the issues of him just coping with life. And then the metaphor at the end is the boxing. So he he's, you know... He knows that people weren't happy, and he feels that pressure uh, of that last that last movie, and so that that's a big part of the reason why he did this one. So the idea for the Adrian's restaurant was uh, from Jack Dempsey, 
who had his own restaurant where he would have photos of his fights on the wall. And then when people wanted to hear the old war stories, he told them. Stallone says that he was there, like he went to the restaurant. I don't know if that's necessarily true or not, but uh, when he was a kid. But uh, but yeah, so, so, you know, and then there's a little nice little thing where he's wearing his blazer over a shirt that says Dempsey across his chest in the film. And another person who does who 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 does that is uh, a good friend, Roberto Duran. He 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 has a, he has a similar uh, r- r- restaurant. Oh wow, that's that that's pretty cool. I mean, because you know, I I I imagine it's is it it's in Panama. Yeah, it's in pa- pa- Panama, and you know, he comes out and talks to people and watches footage of his fights and all that type of thing, and he seems to really enjoy it. Oh, I would totally go to that. Um, so. Apollo, Carl Weathers, wanted back in the film. Obviously, he had passed away, so I'm assuming he wanted back in some sort of like uh, uh, way that they had Mickey in in Rocky V and like maybe like a a callback scene of some sort. Uh, But Stallone didn't want him to be in the movie that, that in the way that Carl Weathers wanted to be in the movie. So Apollo decided that he couldn't, uh, he couldn't, put any of the uh the previous scenes of him and and Stallone together in the film because you know he was kind of holding out for more money I guess which is so funny because I think I told the story in one of the earlier podcasts but uh Stallone had a magazine that was only four issues I I loved it it was it was all it was everything you could imagine a Stallone magazine would be but he talked a lot he did like a Q&A about the the movies and so Right as Rocky Balboa is coming out, they're like, you know, is Carl Weathers in it? He's like, and he was explaining why, you know, he wanted too much money, whatever. And he's like, you know, and ultimately the reason why he's not in the movie is because his name should be Apollo Greed. I just cracked up at that. But like, like, really, he's not in this movie. And I what I wonder is, is, and as we as I do more research for Creed, um, there isn't a Carl Weathers like scene right like like you could have easily in it and maybe it's a little cheesy to do so but you could have put uh a a carl weathers back in those films in in some way for inspiration but they don't do it and i and i wonder if he's upset about that as well because that that would be the one that would, would make most sense to do i think it's probably harder like how do you do it in the creed in, in in the Creed films, because you're gonna have to show a much younger Carl Weathers than he Weathers than he than he is now. You know, if 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 you know if you're gonna do something where he's talking with his young son or something like that. Yeah, yeah. I I don't know how you would do it, um, but I wonder if he's also if he's also upset that he wasn't in those. That would be interesting. Uh, okay, so. Um, in earlier drafts of the screenplay, Rocky's former opponents, Clubber Lang and Ivan Drago, had cameo appearances. It. And I also heard this when Stallone was talking about it. It was almost like it was a done deal. And then when I watched the movie, I realized that they weren't there. And I was like, I wonder if I missed them somehow. Because he very much said that he wanted them in the film. I'm actually kind of glad that he didn't do it in the way that uh, they had talked about it because supposedly Clubber would have been a ringside commentator 
and would have made disparaging remarks about Rocky. And the scene with Drago has Rocky visiting him in a hospital where he is dying of AIDS from steroid needle abuse, I'm assuming. And supposedly, Rocky would have told a nurse, if he dies, he dies. The same line Drago says about Creed. They were eventually removed from the script, and thank God they were removed from the script. Can you imagine? <laughs> like, okay, the, the Drago one, I didn't know what, what was actually happening with it. I did hear very much... Uh, w- 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 the clubber was meant to, me- meant to be a commentator. Yeah, so weird. Gosh. Um, and, and, you know, if you do that with Drago, then you don't actually have Creed 2. So, okay. So uh, last uh, last piece of uh, information is the little, little Marie character, the actress Jodie Letizia. Um, I guess she, she filed a lawsuit against Sly and that she had cleared her entire schedule to prepare for the filming, and then they changed the actress, and uh, I guess the, the Sly had to settle the lawsuit with her um, because, uh, you know, and, and this is kind of a theme, right? Like, you have, uh, this has happened many times over the years, you know, where where did the story come from, and who was the inspiration, and, you know, all kinds of people have come forth and said, you know, I... I should have gotten money for this. And, and so, you know, Stallone has, has had to pay some folks to make uh, these kind of things go away uh, I- I- throughout the series. Oh. Um, okay, a, a, a couple of other ones that I want to mention. Um, they, uh, they apparently shot four endings. Oh, wow. I only saw the two. There, so there was a split decision for Rocky, a split decision for... Uh, for for Dixon and a unanimous decision for each, and the re- like the reason they did that was because they didn't want anyone in the arena to know what the f- sure what 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 the, what the film was. They only, the, the only two we've seen are the re- the 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 one that actually happened, like uh, are there two split decisions basically a split decision e- e- either way, and uh, yeah I I, I I suppose those were the two like based on the fight those are the ones that seemed the most realistic but I guess they just wanted to p- keep people guessing uh, another one is I've heard that like the ending initially instead of Rocky going to the graveyard and you know saying yo, yo Adrian we did it he says that you know looking up to the heavens in the well, as he's leaving the arena mm-hmm. that's interesting Um, and what was the we we already mentioned about the Ali Marciano fight. Um, we mentioned about Tarver putting on twenty five pounds. Another thing I heard about this is that Sly wanted to do all the boxing scenes up front because you know, as he you know he was getting older coming into the into this you know he it, he knew it was going to take him longer to get in shape and it was going to be harder for him to stay in shape while he was filming. So they did like you know he went into camp for six months to get in in the type of shape he needed to be in 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 for the boxing and then you know did all the all the physical stuff at the at the front end of the film that i mean that makes a lot of sense though because he wasn't going to be able to work out as crazily as he would have before the whole thing started so if he if he peaks then does the boxing scenes and then does the rest of the acting. He doesn't have to like lift weights for like three hours a day, like crazy when he's just acting. He only needs to do it when he's got his shirt off. 
Um, um, yeah, we we already talked about kind of a lot of the boxing community already being being involved there. The HBO team, Merchant Kellerman and Lampley. We have uh, Michael Buffer as the the ring announcer, Luda Bella as the promoter. Um, do we have any any, any other ones that you, you can think of? Well, uh, someone who's been in Bert, the, Bert Sugar, Bert Sugar and Brian Kinney. Um, Joe Cortez as the referee. And um, stitched around as the corner man. So yes, a, a, a huge number of like prominent fight figures in this one, more than any of the other films, I think. And then I think Leroy Neiman, who's been in the been in like every film since maybe the f- second, I think. He's is isn't he a ring announcer at some point in one of the fights? Yeah, uh, yeah, I think so. So that would be you know that's a, the, him, much like Stu Naham, just. You know, in in all of these films, okay. So we and look- the last thing I was going to say is yeah, there's, there's tr- and there's actually just three 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 actual boxers in this movie, which I think is the most in in any of the, the films. There's Antonio Tarver, Mike Tyson, and obviously Sp- Spider Rico is Pe- Pedro Lovell. Um, you know, we talked about Lovell at the start of the show. He finished his career with a twenty three three and two record. Uh, the other fight he lost that you were trying to think of, which was before uh, the Mike Weaver one, the kind of one that really kind of put a halt to his momentum as a prospect, was he he got knocked out by Ken Norton in '76, which would have That's been what uh, it was. Yeah, it would have been just just just, just before he actually went went to film Rocky. So we've talked about the box office in every film so far. This movie did 70 million in North America, so 30 million more than Rocky V from 16 years earlier. It did 85 million in the other uh, territories or internationally, and its overall worldwide gross was 155 million. And the, versus the 25 million budget. Versus 24 million budget, which was the uh, fourth lowest budget. Uh, of the entire franchise. And here's what's interesting to me, and this is what I didn't even realize, which is Creed, which comes out, uh, I don't know, what, nine years later, it is a little bit of a higher budget. It's at 35. But internationally, uh, Rocky Balboa like actually does more money than the original Creed movie. And the worldwide grosses are are almost comparable. Creed does a little bit more because it did uh, much better in North America. But, you know, when I think about this film, I sort of look at it as like kind of like you would like a small, uh, a smaller kind of low budget film. And I didn't realize that internationally, the, the movie actually did fairly well. And, uh, you know... The- oh, no, it, it, it did really well. Um, it, like, they, they tripled what the, what the expectations were uh, for the opening night uh, with, with, with Rocky Balboa. It, it, and it was a case of, like the very first film, you come in with uh, modest expectations and then it blew them out of the water. Yeah, yeah. It, it was... Um, I wonder, if, in hindsight if they would have known that the audience was going to be there like it was, if they would have pushed it a little bit harder, because I do remember thinking that the hype for the movie was a little lower than what I would have thought because of the fact that the character was actually, you know, coming back to, to, to fight in the ring for the first time in 21 years. 
be interesting to to go back and because I remember reading a lot about it just in you know or, you know web websites obviously had stuff about it, but I don't remember that big 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 push uh, before it had come out. Okay, so now let's uh, let's talk about the questions that I have for you. And um, okay, I think I think the elephant in the room to me is whether or not you like the little Marie character. I, I imagine that a lot of people don't like the character and don't really understand why the character is there and really don't understand what the purpose is or like what the relationship is or, or anything. So I find the scenes with Stallone and Geraldine Hughes to be slightly uncomfortable. And I imagine they're supposed to be a little bit uncomfortable in that way. And even in one of the deleted scenes, uh, Pauly mentions to little Marie that there may be something going on that they are not uh, talking about. She's like, we're literally just good friends, but just the platonic relationship that they have, uh, it can be a little bit uncomfortable, but I didn't, I, I don't know how you think of that and whether or not it's necessarily good or bad for this movie. I liked it. And I think the reason why I liked it is they needed to give Rocky something that kind of anchored him to his past. I think Marie is, the way he does that it's the way he, it's like it's somebody he knew no knows that he can kind of talk to openly and and just you know it, it's a way of like you know him explaining what's been going on in his life for the last you, you know 15 years and so are we to assume that there is no rom- romantic relationship happening here oh i am 100 i 100 percent believe that okay because she is not in any of the Creed movies. They don't mention her. There's no steps, nothing. It's like, this is her movie, and then we're done with the story, which I think is the right thing. I don't think you need to bring her back in, in any way. But uh, just, you know, just it's just, she's just, it's just in this movie, she's such a focal point, and then that's that's kind of it. Um, Roy Jones Jr., would he have worked better as Mason the line Dixon than Antonio Tarver, in your opinion? I'm between two minds on this because in one one sense, for the reasons that I mentioned at the start, Roy's a more charismatic guy than Tarver is and he's also kind of a, like with a certain generation of boxing fans, he's a much bigger star. Uh, And the the other side of it is kind of what I already said. It's like, I don't think Mason the Lion Dixon is meant to stand out. He's meant to just be a guy. Like, that's part of what his character is. He's a guy people aren't really that interested in. He's just, you know, somebody who's a dominant fighter. But, you know, people... He's meant to be seen as the B-side in a fight with Rocky. Like, the interest is in what, what Rocky's going to do. And I think he does that role quite well. What happens to Rocky and Rocky Jr. in between the nine years, or actually it would be uh, 12 years, uh, from the end of Rocky Balboa and into Creed Two, because he is not in, the character's not in Creed One, and I think we are to assume that there is more struggle in their relationship. You know, there's the scene in, in, in Creed where... Um, 
he, you know, he, he will call his son and then he just like hangs up the phone. Like he doesn't want to go through it. Like it is sort of unexplained. And I think it's actually way more powerful that it's unexplained, but I kind of just want, you know, I, I would love to hear an explanation of maybe what happened because at the end of this movie, it seems like their relationship is back on track. Yeah, I, I kind of wonder if it's just a case of, like, did they just drift apart? You know, there wasn't, like, a fallout or anything like that. It's just, and you know, Rocky f- finds it difficult to close that gap. You know, maybe, you know, Robert's gone off and started his own family and, you know, Rocky's, like, you know, caught up in whatever he's doing and they just the crap paths like just dr- drift in separate directions for a number of years. And, you know, it, for, it's it just a kind of case of, like, neither of them, are, are are the one to pick up the phone do you think that because in in rocky five and in rocky balboa the heavyweight champion of the world is not deemed to be of the same class that balboa and creed and ali and frazier before them were in it's almost like in both rocky five and rocky balboa that the heavyweight champion is a little bit of like a, a joke in a sense. And and I wondered if you thought that that actually made boxing look bad in these films. Uh, the, the, they, they will actually be seen as uh, a, a little bit, the, the, the they, they don't do the same thing in, in Creed, Creed, you know, the, the, the heavyweight titles back to being very prestigious. But in these two films, it is kind of like, you know, the heavyweight champion is a little bit of a joke in both in both movies. And I kind of wondered if, you know, the boxing, if, what, what, if you're the, in the boxing community, what do you think about that? Yeah, I think like it, it came a two in between eras. And like we talked about it last time, you know, maybe that the reason they cho- they chose that direction was as, as like commentary on the heavyweight division you know you know what the heavyweight division was going to be post mike tyson uh, you know in this one I was, I was actually kind of thinking about like where were we in the heavyweight division and like it kind of would have made sense to me if this was in the middle of kind of Vladimir Klitschko's very mm-hmm. dominant run where, you know, a lot of people saw him, like that was exactly what they saw him as, a dominant cha- champion against kind of a lot of weaker opponents. But it is actually, looking back on it timeline-wise, was a bit before that. But it was also fair, another very in-between time for the heavyweight division. Like, you know, you're after the Lennox Lewis e- era. Fitali's kind of in, kind of a- out at that point. There's a lot of different guys. You have Lamont Brewster uh, p- picking up the title after he-, he beat Vladimir. You have, like, you know, guys like John John Ruiz coming back around, Hasim Rachman. You know, it wasn't a prestigious time for the heavyweight division. So I, I kind of feel like they were trying to, touch on like a real a real feeling that existed at that time yeah and you know we are four years after lewis and tyson which was the biggest heavyweight championship prior and probably until i don't know when when the next the next biggest one would be but there's 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 some distance probably anthony joshua against vladimir klitschko yeah yeah well i suppose you could like you could you could count vladimir klitschko against david hay which was the big fight even though you know it, it, the way it played out like I think a lot of people were very disappointed in it <laughs> it, it, it did at the time have, have a lot of eyeballs on it okay what did you have any questions uh, the decision um, 
Should Rocky have won? Should he have drawn? Or was it the right decision to have him lose? I think he definitely should have lost. My 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 problem isn't with him losing. It is with the scores. I actually like the unanimous decision scores better than the split decisions because in order to get to the split decision, we have to believe that he was winning on those cards before he got dropped in the last round, right? Yeah. So that doesn't make sense to me as as much as if he would have, you know, if he if he loses the fight, um, you know, by two or three rounds on every card, that's more realistic to me. Or if they were going to do it with the 95-94, I don't think you can have the knockdowns because if you once you have the knockdowns, then the the scores get really wild. So I was trying to figure out what the what it could have possibly have happened. So round two is probably a 9-8 for Dixon because there's two knockdowns of Rocky and then there's one knockdown of Dixon. Would that be the score? I think in that in that case, it would actually be a te- just a 10-9 round. Okay, so a 10-9. So then um, in order for Rocky to get the decisions, he would have to win seven rounds out of the 10 i think and in watching the fight the way that it was i don't think that he would have gotten seven um because mason dixon when he when he gets the decision he he's not that surprised like i think he feels that he won and in order to get the split like because rocky got knocked down twice he has to pick up a lot more of those rounds so uh, I don't know. I just don't see Rocky winning like six or seven rounds to get the score to how it would have to be for that for for that split. Okay, I guess for me that like I was thinking more along the lines of you know rather than uh, for, for, from a scoring perspective, like just from a film perspective, did you think it was important that Rocky ha- had to lose, or you know, like because I kind of liked that you know. It was the same as the first one, you know. It's kind of a callback, you know. He lost a close decision to Apollo in the first one, and but it was, but it was in a way, it was a win for him. And this was, this was the same way. Well, I think he also has to lose because uh, he he empties all of his emotions into the ring. And if he was to win the fight, the immediate <laughs> response we would need to be get that, again. Yeah, we need to do it again. <laughs> like you know, we, there's still money to make there, and and there still is money to make after he you know he he does so well. But yeah, I think he absolutely has to lose. Okay, and then my only other one is the decision to write Adrian out of out of the script. Yeah, so um, I think I agree with it. The part where I'm not sure I agree with is if if you have the loss of Adrian, obviously that pulls the Rocky character down to what I think I think Stallone called it Ground Zero. He's back at Ground Zero. He's had all the things that matter to him taken away from him. I, I completely understand what you what you said about Little Marie being sort of the anchor to his past. 
but he also uses Lil Marie as a it's a weird mentorship like he is kind of helping her and it's it's a weird sort of you know older brother kind of mentorship and i guess to him because he is now lonely and because Polly has technically moved out even though they they run away from that a little bit he needs something to do he needs something to pass his time he needs to be busy and this is part of it but i just wonder it like do you need both the absence of Adrian and little Marie in the same movie? Or is there a way to work the movie in the same way without having that Marie character take up uh, a, a lot of those scenes? I think if you, if you do that, you have to have Paulie in a much more pronounced role. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's the, that's the other play is that Paulie and is a much I bigger think- part of it. I think it's also that's kind of harder because Paulie's much more emotionally locked than you know as as far as their relationship go. You know, you you like Paulie will open up at times, but you don't imagine like he he'll also kind of he'll rib Rocky a fair fair bit. He'll needle him a fair bit. So like you don't really get to see Rocky ever kind of just speak openly as much to Paulie. I don't think. I think it's harder for him to do that. And I think or, that, I think that's why you need Marie. Or there's just more scenes with Rocky and Rocky Jr. kind of in a little bit of conflict or, or maybe not solely in conflict, but maybe there's more scenes with uh, with Milo and Stallone that have to pick it up. But I don't know if you you may not get the same emotion in those scenes as you do with him and uh, and Geraldine. Okay, so let's talk about some pet peeves. Um, I know you oh, like... Just, just one la- la- last thing I was going to say. Um, you know, and and this actually, this this I, I will kind of put in as a pet, pet peeve, peeve as such. Um, you know, I think, as a, I think the idea, what they did with Adrian was right. And... I think it was for the best for the film. But I also think, you know, you mentioned about Carl Weathers showing up in a Mickey-like scene. And I think that's kind of one of the things that I would have liked for the Adrian character. You Mm. have like that, you know, from 1990 to 2002, to a 12-year window where her and Rocky have been together that maybe there could be just one new scene of him and Adrian that he just remembers that we haven't seen before. And it would just give a chance to bring Talia Shire back into it and to say goodbye to her character. I think that's something that I would have liked to seen in this film. Yeah, I think that works, actually. If you see her either in a happy time or maybe she's gotten the news that she's sick and that is like something that Rocky, you know, is is sort of becomes heartbroken all over again every time he thinks about that. That yeah, that, I thought that I think that would would have uh, worked very well. Okay, so let me let me go to my pet peeves. Um I know you liked Tarver. I liked him for the most part, but there were um there were some scenes, especially when he has his mentor, right? Cuz there there there's a scene of of his mentor and those scenes don't work very well, and I can't tell if it's because they were poorly written or because Tarver himself 
cannot get the sort of emotional response out of those scenes that that they need to. And I almost wish that whole thing with Tarver going back to his old trainer, I almost wish that that part was removed because I don't think they take advantage of it in any way. That is one thing I will say. There's That story doesn't really go anywhere because you don't really find out why he went back to his old trainer, why he left them to begin with. You know, there's no real storyline purposes to that. Yeah, and, and I so I don't know if they realized that, you know, those scenes weren't really good. And, and if they did realize that, I think the movie is absolutely the same without that change or, or going back to the camp or whatever. Um, because it's not like he just fires the management team. He just decides to go back to, to a, an old trainer and we don't even know who the new trainer was or who the person he was frustrated with was. So it's just kind of like a little bit of a throwaway that I, I don't think really works. Is that just a case of like, we need to give this guy something like in terms of let's establish him as a character like he doesn't have a lot in this movie we just need to we just need to hear him talk is that kind of do we need to give him screen time is that kind of what that scene is because I, I it, it, like from a storyline perspective there's there's no link to anything else and it's it's the one thing that is is kind of disconnected in this whole film no, yeah, I, I, I agree with that. Um, okay, so another pet peeve is um, sometimes they hide the polyracism and sometimes they let it flow. Uh, and he is he goes back to being a racist poly in this movie. And I was like, eh, we don't really need that. It doesn't really make the movie any better. Um, there's also the... Um, I, don't, I, I don't know if it's a little bit of insensitivity, but the fact that... Um, Steps or Stevenson, uh, Geraldine sort of just says, oh yeah, he's, his, his dad was Jamaican or whatever. Like I, 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 in 2006, I didn't really care. And even now I don't really care, but there's a, there, there was a little tinge there of like, Hmm, I wonder, I wonder if they would redo that one, uh, back again. Um, and then obviously what we talked about the boxing board, the commission, how he could pass any sort of uh, test uh, uh, for whatever reason. And so Rocky explains this, even though it doesn't get explained in the movie. Uh, Stallone explains that when Rocky was diagnosed with brain damage, it must be noted that many athletes have a form of brain damage, including football players, soccer players, and other individuals in contact sports, such as rugby. Rocky never went for a second opinion and yielded to his wife's wishes to stop. So with the advent of new research techniques into brain damage, Rocky was found to be normal among fighters and he was suffering the results of a severe concussion. By today's standards, Rocky Balboa would be given a clean bill of health for fighters. I call absolute BS on that. And it is, um, I think what he's trying to say is that uh, a form of brain damage. I think he's trying... I, I'm I Actually, I'm not 100% sure, but what he might be saying there is most contact sports, guys have many concussions that isn't brain damage, but isn't also isn't necessarily good for them. 
And that's what Rocky had was multiple concussions rather than actual brain damage or actual CTE, because he would absolutely not be given a clean bill of health if he had any uh, CTE on on his, uh, you know, or any protein, tau proteins or whatever in his uh, in his brain scan. So th- I don't know how you feel about that. I, I like that he tried to explain it, but it still did not make any sense to me whatsoever. Yeah, I think I think he's he, like, you know, what what Slice more trying to say is just like, look, some fairly shop worn fighters get get cleared to fight. Yes, yeah. uh, like I think that's basically what he says. Guys who are a little bit punchy get 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 cleared to fight, and you know th- there is something to that. I just think he probably didn't. I I guess you know like this isn't his area of expertise and he probably <laughs> didn't explain it to the best of his ability okay so uh, small pet peeve because I think this is actually a good scene but the second round of this fight is like five minutes long it's like five or six minutes long it goes forever you have the early knockdown then you have a later knockdown then you have the broken hand and then you have Rocky knocking uh, Mason Dixon down this is not the, the it's it's almost like the reverse of round fifteen of of Rocky one, which is like seventy five seconds. <laughs> this one is like five minutes. Like it is so long. Um, of course, again, we get the holding yourself up by the ropes, which if you are going down and you use the ropes to hold yourself up, it is supposed to be a knockdown. And Rocky does this. Uh, he holds himself up. Another pet peeve of mine. Here's another one, which is Polly uh, in the corner is actually smoking a cigar. He's, he's Rocky's tr- one of Rocky's corner men and has a lit cigar in his mouth during the, during the fight. I thought that was like, what? Uh, and then, yeah, the only other thing I had was just the scoring. Like, I think there also has to be some 10-10s in the scoring in order to get to 95, 94. I didn't, I, I tried to break it down uh, as, as, as detailed as possible, but I know I probably missed some scenarios, but I think it's something like um, maybe Rocky's got to win six um, and then Dixon has to win four and there's got to be like some draw rounds in there in order to get to the 95, 94. What about you? Um, like as like I actually really don't as far as the film goes, I really don't have any gripes with this one because, you know, as I said, it was, I felt like it was everything it needed it needed to be, and you know, it reestablished Rocky and it corrected a lot of a lot a lot of the mistakes that were made in Rocky Five. It corrected mm-hmm. it and it, it, it let us kind of leave on this, you know, positive note, and I I kind of feel like that. This is as far as Rocky goes, and you know this is the end of the series. You know, obviously it, we have the spin-off in Creed, but I look at them as kind of almost like a bonus after this. You know, this I feel like you know this is the end of Rocky's actual own story, his in ring career story, and I think it was it was absolutely perfect. Yeah, I, you know, I, I have no qualms with this movie. I, I understand the folks who think it's a little bit slow and it's a little depressing. I totally get it. I can see that. But if you are really close to this series, this is really a gift for you for sticking around. And it is uh, almost like a love letter 
for uh, from Stallone to the fan base saying like, or an apology letter, I screwed up with Rocky Five. It was not the movie that you needed it to be. And here is my apology to you guys. Like, this is what it needed to be. It just took 16 years to uh, to get there. Uh, okay, so who's your MVP? Like, I think for me in this one, you know, the close runner-up would be kind of Rocky's support team of Duke and Paulie. I think they're both very good in this movie. But it has to be, again, like Stallone. Came back on board. You know, a lot of people didn't think he could do it one last time. He was able to do it. You know, he took this on himself as writer and director. And, you know, he righted the wrongs that he kind of made 16 years previously. To me, without a question question in my mind, uh, Rocky's the MVP of this one. I agree. I think it, I think he's the only one really on the ballot because like you said, it, the 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 way that the movie is written is for this to be about him and nobody is in a big enough part to take away the focus of what this movie is about. It it's it's uh it's him, it's his relationship with his son, it's his relationship with the fact that his wife has passed away and, and, and him sort of, you know, needing an emotional outlet. It is him against, uh, you know, man against time in a sense. And so all of those things are really about him and nobody else. And there's no other character that's really out. You know, there, there are some great cameos. Like Duke is a sense in a sense is a cameo, right? He's only in the movie for a very, very little time. And, He's awesome, as always. And same with, um, you know, same with, uh, I, I guess, you know, Rocky Jr.'s in it a little bit more. It's, 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 it's a supporting part. But he, he's also not in it enough other than to sort of allow Stallone to give a life lesson and to, to help his son come to his own grips. Because there, there, there could be a whole other movie of like why Rocky Jr. is not a happy person. All a bunch of things that happened in his childhood and his mom passing away and him dealing with that in a different way and him, you know, having this like real athlete of a dad and he possibly tries boxing and maybe has like uh, some, some, you know, some, some amateur bouts and it doesn't go well and that kind of stuff. Like there's a whole backstory to Rocky Jr. that, that could be there. But yeah, this is completely, this is completely Rocky and, uh, there's no, there's nobody in my mind that could, that even comes, uh, even comes close to it actually. Okay. So th- we are, we are done with the Rocky versions of this that leaves the original Creed, which came out in 2015. So nine years after this one, and then Creed two, which came out in 2018. And they are in this because they are very true to the Rocky franchise. Stallone is, he's much more in, in the first one than he's in the second one, but he's a big part of both films. And if you believe him, he says that he's done with Creed, but as we've known throughout this entire franchise, what he says after a movie is over and what actually happens is are often two different things. And so we'll wrap the uh, the series up with, with the last two Creeds and then our own epilogue. And you know what we actually realized is that 
Stallone and uh, the guy who made the John Avildsen documentary, which I mentioned earlier in one of the episodes, there is a documentary on the making of Rocky. And so we'll probably do either a, a, a like a B-side podcast on that or we'll somehow jam it into the epilogue. But, you know, as we started this project, this thing kind of came out of left field and and, and is out there for us to, to go through as well. So, um, Duan, thanks for uh, being on these uh, first six and we're, we're, you know, we're almost done. We got three more and we'll finish this uh, second series of, of projects uh, for uh, for the Fight Game Podcast, these this mini uh, mini series of of summer episodes of of uh, of a little project that that we that we decided on so uh, we'll be back for creed sports are coming back and so are your chances to bet on your favorite teams and events major league baseball is in full swing and there's no better place to start wagering than our exclusive partners bet online Check out all the odds, futures, and props to bet on all available 24-7. Makes me wonder, what would the odds be in Balboa and Dixon? Dixon's got to be like a 10-to-1 favorite or something. And with the return of sports, BetOnline sat down with former pro players Eddie George, Harold Reynolds, and seven-time NBA champ Robert Ory. See what they had to say on what it'll be like playing without fans in a series they're calling Fandemic. Visit betonline.ag for all of your odds and up-to-date sports news. Remember to use promo code BLUEWIRE to receive your new welcome bonus. That's promo code BLUEWIRE. BetOnline, your online wagering experts. 